There are many stories about Michael Sullivan. Some say he was a decent man. Some say there was no good in him at all. But I once spent six weeks on the road with him in the winter of 1931. This is our story. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Cheap Seat Reviews. Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. The greater good. (laughs) I know that's supposed to be like machine gun fire, but it kind of sounds like a crazy typewriter. (laughs) <laughs> maybe i could have used that last week with the uh the, the whole author thing yeah um, mm-hmm. on there yeah yeah either so, way i think yeah it, the greater good the greater that was a it was a crazy machine gun i felt like it was uh, uh i was watching band of brothers there and it was great um because i i've actually am i'm on my annual rewatch of band of brothers i'm on episode three hey, i finished that up about uh four weeks ago nice yeah there's a uh, yeah, here we go. Anyway, this is episode yeah. 340. 340. Oh 40s now in 300? 340s. We're just... It, 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 Man, Sam, you're old. Yeah. I know. I mean, I must have been doing this since the, the, the Great Depression or something. This, yeah. this, is a, this has been forever. Well, it has been a while. Um, it, it, just, it actually, literally, as I'm looking at 340 on my screen, it just occurred to me that... Yeah. We are literally doing basic math, only ten away from three fifty. We have to do something for three fifty, so we'll yeah. uh, we'll come up with something special. Hey, yeah, let's do a podcast for three fifty. Oh, hey, that's an idea. That's a great idea, and maybe we'll talk speaking about of Great it. Depression. Yeah. Speaking of Great Depression, that is what my wife calls our wedding night. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Oh man, we're starting off great tonight. Um, this is episode three forty, like I said, and we're talking about. Road to perdition. Road yeah. to perdition. Hopefully it's not in South Carolina, because then, then you just get your car destroyed on the way to perdition um, if, if you're on that road. Yeah. Well, I used to live near Clemson. Is that, I think that's pretty close to that. So, yeah. yeah, it's pretty close. I am Sean Allred, and joining me tonight is Andrew, is also a bad getaway driver, Jimison. I'm just a bad driver in general, whether I'm trying to get away or, or not. I like to swipe, side swipe guardrails, and I like to run on the little tire strip on the side of the road, just so I can hear the noise, <laughs> feel a little vibration. Do, do you ever hit that rumble strip when your kids are about to go to sleep and you don't want them to go to sleep because you know that if they go to sleep, they won't sleep when they get home? Yes. 
I always want my children to sleep. I, I don't know what you're saying. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Time for a little bourbon, children. Let's go. <laughs> it's funny you make the joke, and we're all laughing. But literally, my um, my brother-in-law, when he was, gosh, four, three or four, um, mm-hmm. they gave him eggnog with rum in it. Literally, try to get him to go to sleep. And the next day, oh, they, yeah. he went to church and told everybody that his parents tried to get him drunk last night. <laughs> a, that's, a, that's a story that gets told every Christmas around the family. It's great. Uh, Sam. Nice. Yes. Always trust the bank manager vector. Yes. Us, us in finance or who have a schooling in, in business services, mm-hmm. um, we're very trustworthy folks. You really you are. You know that. I do know But, that. Sean. Yeah. Just so you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not in my house right now. Okay. I'm actually sitting in a chair in the room behind you in the dark, mm-hmm. uh, just waiting. I've been waiting here for days, even hours, to, for you to, to come into this room. Okay. So, just so you know. Thanks. Because I'm going to shoot you, and then I'm going to take a picture of you and sell it. <laughs> Why sell it? Well, I guess he does sell them. That's how he makes his money. Yep. Okay. He keeps the proceeds of the pictures. He does. That's part of the deal. That is part of the deal. That's a good deal, I guess, if you're a murdering uh, photographer. Pre- Weird, dude. Also, joining us tonight, we have a special guest. If you've followed us on the social medias, you know that we have someone from a podcast from which we can't spell very well. But (laughs) joining us tonight, making his Cheap Seat Reviews debut, is Jesse, the 1931 John Wick from Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. Nice. I would say that I'm back. But I've never been here before, so I guess I would say that I'm here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for joining what, us. I don't know what Sean has over you, Jesse, but but thank you for being here. Oh, my gosh. I, I oh, do appreciate it. You're quite welcome. I'm very excited to be here. Um, Sean graciously appeared on the Sudden But Inevitable rewatch. Uh, it, and by the way, it's hard for me to spell it, too. My phone auto-corrects <laughs> it now, so no big deal. Um, But Sean was on our episode recently, and um, we discussed the episode Ariel, and it just felt like the only way to repay that great favor would be to come and be on your podcast. I am kind of honored, though, because you guys are like, you're a podcast in the mist, right? Like, you've been here forever. You're like this mainstay staple podcast, (laughs) and we're brand new, so it's like, this is this is the coolest like legacy moment for us so far. I think this is easily the most established podcast that we have ever been a part of. <laughs> that was oh, Jesse, wow. Could you, could you could you share that with everybody else like out <laughs> in the podcast world? <laughs> clip it and put it in a headliner ad, and we're good to go, man. Oh, yeah, don't! I'm I'm taking the note right now. Let's see. At 16 minutes, Jesse was nice. Okay. <laughs> That's the last time you'll need to make that note. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll I'll just simply say that was very kind words, and it was also the nicest way you could call us all old. I appreciate that. <laughs> good to have a through line. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So this is good. So road to perdition. Now I know what you're thinking, listeners. First of all, you're kind of mad because this movie is no longer streaming. Literally, by the time we record, this movie is on only on Amazon Prime for like six more hours. Oh, Jesse's oh, giving seriously? me a finger. I didn't know that. But if you happen to be, I don't know, say a huge Trekkie, and for that reason have a subscription to Paramount Plus. You can watch Road to Perdition on Paramount Plus. Oh, that's good. 
Oh, cool. Why? It's a it's a Fox Studios movie. I, Sean, I don't answer <laughs> questions. I provide small facts. Oh, okay. Disney doesn't want Tom Hanks on Disney Plus um, shooting, you know, going people. around shooting people in the head. Yeah. So that's fair. Yeah. He was really polite about it. That is true. <laughs> he was nice. Yeah. I, I, okay. He does kind of feel like he's like the most unassuming assassin ever. You know, just because we're so used to seeing Tom Hanks as the guy from Big and, the, you know, I mean, even in Saving Private Ryan, he just still seems like the nicest guy ever, though. He's killing Nazis, you know. Now, for me, it was like the mustache. It just totally, I lost Tom Hanks' face in this movie almost immediately, which surprised the hell out of me because I was like, it's yeah. a Tom Hanks movie, you know? And then, and I mean, even Daniel Craig in this movie, I was like, the way that he's acting makes him almost unrecognizable. It's amazing. It was like just this gorgeous, like pastiche film noir thing. Like I loved it, but we'll get to that. (laughs) We will. (laughs) So the other, the other, uh, where I was going with that was that yes, road to perdition. Sorry. It's going off of our, our normal streaming platforms. And also, uh, Sam kind of, uh, was giving me a little bit of grief in the, uh, in our, in our text messages that, Two weeks in a row, we're doing a movie, in Sam's words, where the dog dies at the end. And I, I 100% understand where you're coming from. So um, uh, far be it for me to throw our guest under the bus, but this was the movie he picked, so therefore, this is Jesse's Oh, fault. okay. Well, then, then I'm okay. And that makes more far sense. be it for me to throw Sean under the bus, but I was picked from a list. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't like he was like, hey, any movie in the world. Actually, I think he did do that. And I was like, could you narrow that down slightly? And he, then he gave me a list. So it's yeah, entirely on me. He's I, right. Now that I think about it, it's totally my fault. I didn't. Well, I have. So basically, I did say, hey, is there anything you want to do? But then I realized it's not like you have to go back and look at the 10 movies that we've done. You'd have to go back and look at the 340 or 39 that we've done. And I didn't want you to have to do that legwork because no one should have to look through our back catalog. So... I just thought it would be <laughs> it would be easier to. Uh... I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and, so and it's one of those movies that I had always like. I remember hearing when it was coming out. I remember being interested in it, and I just for some reason it never. Crossed you never my saw. Mind. It? Yeah. It just, so oh, this wow. was my first experience with it. Very cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. Andrew, had you seen this before? This was my first time. Awesome! Awesome. Wow. See, I I saw this one before, but I think I saw it before I had kids. Mm-hmm. When did this come out? Oh gosh. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's do all the particulars first. Um, Andrew, would you mind doing uh, the thing that I asked you to do uh, five minutes ago? <laughs> uh, well, Sean, I'm. Uh, that's kind of private. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I don't think we should do that on a podcast. Can but... you do the other thing then that I asked you to do? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Okay, great. So, what is Road to Perdition? For those of you that don't know, a mob enforcer's son witnesses a murder, forcing him and his father to take to the road, and his father goes down a path of redemption and revenge. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, That's, yeah, that's actually pretty, pretty... Pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. Yeah, usually. For, for, uh, was it IMDb? Yeah, IMDb usually kind of messes that up, but they did a good job. Well, uh, you know, kind of to the point. 
Yeah. Plus, uh, you read it; it made it sound better. So I think that's that's part. Well, of it. and it is a Tom Hanks film, so they're going to spend more time in yeah. the description. So well, this... and it's honestly, it's it was such good writing that it was getting John all hot and bothered. I'd never seen you taking your shirt off before while I was reading. A... <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> a, I had to. I had it's to a good drop... thing this is just audio. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. No, I had to I had to drop a layer, <laughs> this man. That's why we got kicked off of YouTube. Actually, that's not his shirt. That's his natural skin. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. True. This is just my natural pallor is a bleached white T-shirt. This is a winter look. Yeah. No, this is actually my summer look. My winter oh. look is it actually makes the camera, like, blind like that. You know, when you uh, yeah, when you it, take it, your camera outside. It's a whiteout. Yeah. yeah, whiteout. That's the word. Balance. Thank you. Yeah. 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 The, the F stops all crazy and I'm, exposure. Anyway. Too much exposure. Exposure. That's a good word. Yeah. We can just keep using photography terms and people will think that we know what we're talking about. Aperture. Aperture. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, and, to, uh, Sam, to answer your question, this came out in 2002. Uh, okay. So yeah. We so were, this was before before kids. Yeah, way oh yeah. before kids. We were in college. And, and you were yeah, already collecting and, um, your uh, social security check. <laughs> Shut up. Um, yeah, so I think my my if I would have done the review back then when I first saw it, it would be completely different than the than today, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, uh, but I'll get into that here in a second in terms of of how I felt about the film. Um, but certainly, becoming a father changes the way you look at some of this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but since we're here mm -hmm. and your emotions are are what we want to talk about now, let's go ahead and do your five word review. Yeah. All right, so I've got two of them, and my first one is, uh, it's only four words, so someone can borrow one, Okay. Uh, and it is, clear the room, always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check your corners, look around. Check the corners, yeah. clear the room, always. But, but my real one here is, beautifully shot father-son story. Yeah. And I... I really enjoyed it this time around. I actually, I, I think I spent the time. I would have complained the first time I saw it, it was too slow mm. and that I was bored. But this time around, I really dug into it. And my God, the cinematography in this movie is just gorgeous. It's just beautiful. And and the sweeping music that they use, every now and then it, it pops up on Pandora when I'm when I'm doing work and, and, and it you know, kind of catches me off guard a little bit. But... This this movie is very artfully done, and there are some shots in this movie that are that are it's it's just art, right? Where you're there's one shot where the father's coming home when he didn't think he was gonna make it, um, and it showed the kids sitting on the bed and the father coming down the uh, the hallway in, in two separate shots, um, separated by the the wall, mm -hmm. and you know there's some there's there's deeper meaning to a lot of that kind of stuff here. Um, in this movie, and I appreciate it. The only problem I had in this whole movie was possibly the kid, right, who later grew up to be in Batman. Didn't he? Uh, wasn't he somebody in Batman uh, in the Nolan movies? I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. I'll look but, that up um, real quick. Yeah, uh, but I, I didn't. It's not that I didn't care about the kid. It's just he didn't have the uh, the Hobbit like uh, deep eyes that that showed emotion. I guess, um, where, uh, where he might've been maybe just a little too old for the role or I, I don't know. I just didn't buy the kid as much as I might have had it been somebody else. Um, 
I thought Tom Hanks did did very very well, and you got to give props to Jude Law, and his receding hairline, hmm. and and just the creepy, uh, the creepy kind of rat like nature to him as the the assassin that they brought in to to kill him. But um, this is this is one of those occasions where Hollywood told a complete story. I think um, it has great parts. It has a great uh, a great message. You know, there is redemption. Um, I'm glad the father was able to to pull the trigger at the end instead of the instead of the kid. Um, and basically, you know, trying to keep him out of hell and that that whole idea where where he wanted to keep his world separate. And um, but this was fun. I well, I know you always yeah. laugh at me when I say these types of movies are fun. Uh oh. Okay. Sam's gone. Sam's gone. Just like uh, somebody else. I don't know. Okay. Well, Man, this was a good ride. Oh, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're cheap feet. Yeah, well, yeah. That was great. Our batteries. Um, so no, I had a, I had a good time with this movie. Basically, I was wrapping up. Yeah, no, that was great. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, um, I'm I'm with you in that I had I would have a different review when I saw this in 2002, and I mm-hmm. I own this on DVD, which will surprise probably no one listening except <laughs> unless you're listening to this episode because of Jesse, in which case I own a lot of movies on DVD. So mm-hmm. I own this one. Uh, I've probably seen this movie. Seven or eight times, uh, including this time. Really? Yeah. I, really? I see that. What is it about this movie that keeps you coming back? I don't know. Well, I do know, but I, I don't know what it was when I was watching it in college. But I, I loved it then, and then now having kids, I love it even more now. Huh. Um, especially, you know, I just, I just, it's, I love it so much, and we'll, we'll get into that. But to your point, Sam, about specifically about the cinematography, um, I, I do want to go here for a little bit. Uh, and also to answer your other question, the main kid, he he would grow on, grow on? That's not a phrase. He would go he on would to be well. in, well, I guess, but <laughs> not an appropriate phrase. Uh, he would be in, he would play Superman in the Supergirl TV so, show. Okay. In the CW. And the yeah. CW, he does. He's all. He's in the CW verse, right? That doesn't he, that doesn't count as Superman, right? No, it doesn't. Okay. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah. Like Superboy. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, but no, he's not in the Dark Knight. He's not in any of those kind of things. So anyway, that's fine. He in uh, the sort of cinematography. Uh, this is directed by Sam Mendes, uh, who. Who recently did Sam the 1917 movie? Oh, maybe that's why I'm so enamored. I, I'm I just love his style. Yeah, I like Great. his music. Yeah. Well, yeah, Thomas Newton Howard's uh, the score is yeah. really really. No, no, Sean Mendez. Oh, Sean Mendez. I'm with you. Sorry, I got to joke. I'm I'm too old to know who Sean Mendez. I have is. no idea what that is, but uh, <laughs> sure. What is a what is a Sean Mendez? <laughs> is that an app I can get on my phone? <laughs> what are you saying, Jesse? I think my wife listens to Sean Mendez. Is that a pop star? Yeah, my wife does too. He's he's a thing. He's fine. Um, oh, he. It's a he. Yes. Okay. Sean right. is a man's name. Yeah. Well, well you, you never know nowadays. Yeah. Well, 
nowadays. I mean, there's a famous Olympian gymnast, Sean Johnson. Yeah. Only went. a Sean would know that. Hey, what? Sean, do you, <laughs> how do you know Sean Johnson? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I met her. Would, <laughs> did, you, like, did you really? Yeah. Did, did you run into her? Uh, no, she was actually at the time recovering from a torn ACL. So she was on crutches. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll tell, uh, I'll have to tell Jesse that story offline. No one, (laughs) I I think I retold it like last week. No one else wants to hear the, uh, the origin story of that joke. Um, so the cinematography is so good because it's, it's, uh, done by award-winning, um, Conrad L. Hall. He won posthumously. It's a hard word for me to say, but he oh, won. Oh, no, he's dead. He died before the completion of the film. So all oh. of the principal photography was done, so his part was done. Um, but he huh. died um, before the Oscar ceremony. So he won this, oh, and I think sucks. this was his, uh, his third win. Okay. Um, he had, uh, yeah, he won three Oscars for Road to Perdition, American Beauty, and... Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Wow. Talk about a career. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, Goodness. yeah. So, I, um, I think the whole thing for me was just like, it felt so noir. Like they had, I mean, they even uh-huh. had the kid reading the pulp, right? Yeah. Like it, it just, the first thing that I wrote down when I sat down to watch it. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I sat down to watch this movie last night and was like full note taking mode, promptly fell all the way asleep. And then (laughs) today I was like, do I need to take some time off work to get this movie in? I got to text Sean. I don't remember what time he said. He said seven, but I don't remember if he said seven my time or seven his. Anyways, long story short, I just finished watching the movie right before we got on the podcast. So it's all very fresh in my head. The first thing I wrote down was... It's been a long time since I've seen a film that was filmed like a film. And I'm sure I don't really need to explain that to you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, The audience, you know, it's like it wasn't a Marvel movie. I wasn't watching a movie. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a movie. It was a film. It was a series of still shots that were put together to create the illusion of motion. And so few movies and films I feel are done that way anymore just because that's you know that's not what makes money right now necessarily so it was a nice change of pace for me and it was just I mean like going in you know in those first that first frame with the kid in the center of the frame looking at the lake you're like this is a movie I need to really watch every frame of I can't be looking away to write my notes I need to just keep mental notes here because I have to watch this whole thing um it it almost felt like it was black and white for like the first five minutes, even though it wasn't, it's just heavily desaturated and dark, but it it was like, man, the, the hard lines on the contrast and everything, it was uh, beautifully shot, beautifully put together. Yeah. I, I, in case you can't tell, I really had a lot of fun and I, it wasn't that I wasn't expecting to like the movie. It was just, I went in totally blind. Um, so to get a, you know, when you hear, okay, gangster movie, you're like, okay, this is going to go one of two ways. And it went the right way. It was, uh, thank you, Sean, for giving me the opportunity and the reason to watch this movie. Um, well, and I, I think you, you, you make a great point that, you know, you hear it's a gangster movie and you're waiting for the tropes, right? You're uh-huh. waiting for the usual and they kept showing you 
different sides of the story and different views of of how it meant to be in the mob and and how it meant to do business with the mob. And I just love the fact that they showed us things that just it was a new new angle on the mafia story. And that's what I go to movies for. I want to see the new stuff. I want to see different takes. And I think they did it. They did it very, very well. Well, to your point, Sam, about the uh, kid, I actually I kind of felt the opposite about him because it was like to me, he had that he really nailed that like that kid on the cusp of manhood. You know, remember you're like 12 or 14 where you're like, I'm I should do some of the manly stuff I've seen my dad do. And, you know, we see that through the kids eyes in this movie where they're like, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to be like dad. But there's also some fear surrounding him because we don't really know what his job does. But it's like more of a respect than a fear like the scene where the first scene where Tom Hanks walks in for dinner. Right. I was like, Mm. I remember having dinners like that where I was like, oh, nobody is going to talk to like dad has to talk first and then everybody else will talk. Right. Not because we're like afraid of dad, just like out of respect and like what if he's mad, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) so I, I feel like the kid did a really good job of like, it felt like he was holding his emotions back on purpose, right? Because he Mm -hmm. was trying to be strong for his dad and he was trying to be strong for his brother, you know? Um, But I, I, that's probably a taste thing, right? You either enjoyed the performance or you didn't. I, I felt Mm -hmm. like for me, it, it was effective because he only had the one scene where he was really emotional and mm-hmm. in that one, I mean, he was like, even the guy next to him was like, uh, are you going to, are you going to keep crying? Like I'm trying to read the newspaper here. <laughs> like, so I, I really enjoyed that performance in particular. Right on. Uh, can't disagree there. Uh, Andrew, let's go ahead and have you do your five work. Okay. I have two. The first one is uh, Hanks has a dark side. <laughs> and I really, uh, you know, I love Tom Hanks. He's one of my favorite. I would say, if not one of, maybe the favorite actor uh, of mine. Uh, and very versatile and very great with accents. Very just good at every film that I've seen him in, um, for the most part. And Turner and Hooch is questionable, but everything else, <laughs> great, great film. <laughs> that was early Hanks. Early Hanks. Early, early Hanks. But uh, but we don't get to see him in a role like this very often. Where you know I, I won't call him a villain necessarily, but he's but an he's an antihero. Dark side, yeah. Antihero, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's and a bad guy in this for sure. If he doesn't pull it off, right? I mean, it's like he can do it all. This this guy is an actor down to the core, which is why he gets paid the big bucks. You want to um, you want to my... know how good? Hang on, just a second. You want to know how good an actor Tom Hanks is? I read this in the trivia. I didn't capture it. I didn't write it down. But the scene where they're at the diner and him and Jude Law are sharing that moment, and you see the sweat rolling off Tom Hanks's head—that was mm-hmm. just Tom Hanks. It wasn't. Ugh. It wasn't like they sprayed him with water. He just started sweating. And and I don't it's know. Like most geez. actors can't cry on command. He's like, oh yeah, hold my beer. Hold, hold my command. beer. I can sweat on command. It's just so great. Now again, the trivia didn't say anything like they 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 turned the studio to 103 to make him hot. Like they didn't say anything like that. But like, it was his sweat. I mean, that's what just is so great. So anyway, keep, well, you you're, well, you're you're doing your second one. Yeah, I'll get there in just a second. I I just want to sidetrack here for just a minute. 
I hope that in real life, and I don't know for sure, but I hope in real life he's a great guy because he comes across as an actor that that just he just likes people. Maybe he's a complete utter, utter jerk. I don't know. And I've well, heard people say random things here and there once in a while, but I, I just feel like this guy. You know what? Could, what's not to like about him? So the only. Uh, so my second. Well, sorry, I'm going to uh, interrupt second. your. I'm oh, going to interrupt your thing no, again. No, no. Sort of this. I, I've never. I've not met him. I, I can't say that I've met him. I have worked with a sound mixer that did meet him. I worked with his name was Jonathan Gaynor. He was the sound mixer. He took my job as a sound mixer on Paul Metal Point that I did last week with Will uh, Triplet. Um, Jonathan was the second unit sound guy for uh, Forrest Gump. Uh, they filmed mm-hmm. a lot of the Alabama stuff in Charleston, in the Charleston area. And yeah. so uh, Tom Hanks bought, yeah, Tom Hanks bought all of the um, the department heads gifts. They were there for like six weeks or seven weeks. And he bought every Friday, he came to set with a new gift. And it started off as something simple as like, you know, sunglasses and then, and then the next thing and the next thing. And so the the last two gifts were a Forrest Gump bomber jacket that says Forrest mm-hmm. Gump on the back. And then it had Jonathan's name embroidered on the front. Right. Oh he, my God. he got wow. all of the department heads' names. And then the last wow. gift was one of those, you know, those movie chairs, those folding chairs that on the back mm-hmm. it has and it says on the back it says Jonathan Gaynor sound mixer. And he huh. didn't put Forrest Gump on it so that he could take that chair to any set and be yeah. recognized as, like, that's such a cool thing, right? And yeah, that was, yeah, and, and, absolutely. and he did that out of his own see, money. So, you know, I mean. And, and that's the kind, of, this, the kind of stuff I would expect him to do. Just, you know, would I expect the same thing from, uh, from Christian Bale? No. Hell no. But, <laughs> but Tom Hanks, yeah. You don't stay married for like forty years without being a nice guy, yeah, right? That's true. Like, especially yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you can now finally do your second five hundred review. Sorry. All right, my second one. Uh, I did this one just for me, really. Kids, just don't be snooping. Like. <laughs> <laughs> don't be snooping. This is the whole problem. This was the whole problem. Had the kid just stayed in his bed where he's supposed to be, uh, none of this would have happened. But that's that's the dad side of me coming out. But see, um, but, but my question is, eventually it would have, right? right? Well, yeah. Eventually, yeah, in some form or fashion. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think we all are, are feeling that at some point Daniel Craig was going to snap and kill the family. Because he was jealous, right? We talked about yeah. this recently. You know, jealousy can be a powerful emotion, and it, it was pretty obvious that Dad was um, the grandpa. Um, Paul Newman was very loving of Tom Hanks's character, Mike, Michael Sullivan, and less so of Daniel Craig. And and Daniel Craig yeah. felt that, and I think. Frankly, he was just looking for an excuse to do what he did. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Daniel Craig was 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 certainly. I mean, you talk about a villain; he is the villain of this movie oh gosh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. through and through. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. But uh, to 
to finish off here, I, I mean, I can't disagree with anything that's been said already, and I don't want to repeat anything, but I do want to say that this is just really well done. I said last week that uh, we saw a piece of art uh, in the way the cine- cinematography was done for Atonement, uh, but in this one, I feel like it's almost the same. I won't say it's quite as good, but it's there's some really good uh, cinematography in this. Um, and also the sound editing and the uh, uh, there was one I guess it was a scene where he was taking care of all the guys in Rooney's uh, posse mm-hmm. and there's just there's no sound and total silence and, and it was just really well done right there um, yeah. and it it makes you focus on what he's actually having to do and you know uh, I don't know that it kind of hit me. That scene kind of hit me. But then uh, the last thing is the score. I love the score. I'm a music guy, and yeah. this music just it spoke to me. Yeah. Not all of it, but a good a good majority of it. Yeah, yeah. That that main theme with that whatever that reeded instrument is. It's not a bagpipe, but it's some kind of reeded. It. Yeah. It did. It did sound sort of like a bagpipe. I thought. I felt like most of the music in this was, and I guess going back to that Irish mob history, mm-hmm. that it was very Celtic in origin. Mm-hmm. And I love me some good Celtic music. Yeah, definitely. Jesse, did you? Uh, did you have one? You said you had two. I think. I do. Yes, I have two. Um... <clears throat> The uh, it you know to continue the trend the first one is kind of my actual one and then the second one is the one I did for me uh, so the the first one I have is bad Tom Hanks still good like <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen him play a, a even a morally ambiguous morally ambiguous character let alone like a definitely on the wrong side of the law character before mm-hmm. um, and like I was saying before that. It, I swear it must have been the pencil mustache. I just lost him. It was like, I think the thing that is so impressive about him as an actor is that he is so just regular looking that it's that's probably what partially what enables him to embody these roles so fully, right? Is that he's actually painting characterization onto his face, which itself is just kind of a regular, like average of human faces. Like he's just kind of a, average looking face guy you know um but the talent that he puts into these things are just they're they're mind-blowing and he that that accent like i know what tom hanks sounds like and i didn't hear tom hanks in this movie just like i know what daniel craig sounds like i didn't hear daniel craig in this movie i yeah all of the voice work in this was great and yeah the music the score was very powerful and that scene that you were talking about in the rain where there is no sound it's just the score it was like i love that and they did that a couple of moments in the movie where they would play with the camera focus while they would play with what they were layering in sound wise right so like yeah camera mm-hmm. would go out of focus and you'd only hear the score or then it would change focus you'd only hear the sounds or you'd only hear the yep. guns cocking you know that kind of thing well, and if um, you notice in that, that same scene, too, the only time you heard the gunshot is when he finally killed Rooney, right? Yeah. So the, the accent was on, you know, you felt every bullet coming out of that gun. Um, 
there at the end. It, I, I love that that choice uh, by the director. And it gave me like I'm I'm usually I try not to like revel in the revenge story just because it's so done like it's been done a thousand times right but i don't know about you guys for me i was like yes <laughs> squeeze that trigger like pull those like i was just waiting for this guy to eat all that tommy gun lead i was like this feels the most justified it feels like the correct answer it feels like the only way to solve the plot like everything in me wants this to happen in this movie and it doesn't feel cheap and it doesn't feel like a cliche I was, and, and Go ahead. And can I counter that by I felt the opposite. I felt I felt the fact that that both of these people did not want to kill the other. Right. Right. The, in both sides, Rooney didn't want to kill Michael and Michael didn't want to kill kill Rooney. But they know they both knew that it had to happen one way or the other. And it kind of hurt my heart to see, you know, to hear the father basically the father figure say, you know, this is how it should be or this is how I wanted it to be. Or I wanted to be you. Right, I wanted it to be you, and and to to be, I don't know, a father looking at somebody you respected and and you've and you know they're they're doing what you've taught them to do, and you're doing you know it's just it it kind of it's it's such a powerful moment of a father son you know uh, dynamic that I just I it hurts my heart when I see that. Right. I wish. I think that's what I liked about it. And that's what yeah, I, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I was enjoying that scene is that it didn't, it was like, it gave me that sense of like, this is revenge, but not in the way that I've seen revenge done so many times. <laughs> right. Like it's, exactly. it's revenge in that it's this character getting what he deserves, even if it's not done in a way that makes me feel good about it. Cause to your point, a hundred percent, like, I don't know that I would have expected an emotional scene between two gangsters. Right. But like, Right. For him to basically say, you know what, I don't respect my own son, so I'm glad that you're the one who's here to kill me, is like, yeah. <laughs> holy shit. It's got wrenching. And the, yeah. the other part that's really, you know, kind of a juxtaposition with the revenge story is that, you know, when Mike kills Rooney, it's full of sadness and sorrow and pain and anguish because... Mike has to do this thing. It has to be done. In his, in his world, it, this has to be done. But whereas when he goes to kill Daniel Craig, it's just a cold calculating, this is the end of the line, right? It, yeah. there's, it's, there's, there's yeah. no buildup. It's just camera follows him in, boom, and then he bumps the door, and we get that great shot of the reflection. So well oh, the reflection. The, although, yeah. although mm. I will say, I, I've got to say this, that, that took me out of the movie. Um, mainly because I'm looking at the angle of the shot that he shot and yeah. the blood splatter on the wall, and I'm thinking to myself, bullets don't bounce like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I actually thought <laughs> that too. That's the only too, problem but... I had. I was like, wait a second. He didn't shoot him from below. Overanalyzing it there, Sam. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> my, my second one that I wrote down, which is, like, again, just for me, because uh, I think it's clever, is uh, Tom Hankster versus Jude Lawless, which is <laughs> yeah, that's like, great. That's, Hankster, that's the whole yeah. plot of the movie. Like, hey, nice. that might be the that's the title, dude. Yeah, Tom <laughs> Hank, Tom Angster, Hank Hankster. That's it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to use this clip too for the for a headliner. Just you trying to say <laughs> that word. <laughs> so for him, you know, just 
seems to have this like I've seen Tom Hanks be a cowboy doll. I've seen him be a space astronaut. I've seen him be, you know, a man who knows what love is. I've seen him <laughs> be a soldier. I've seen him answer you email. Know. Yeah, there's it, well, yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> this guy like you guys have all said. So, you know, up to this point, the range on this guy, can you believe it? It's like yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah, I just and he's one of the most versatile actors I think ever. Yeah. And I, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I generally have issue with Jude Law. Like, he looks so specific that you can't not see Jude Law, right? But yeah. the face, yeah. In the, this it's... movie, his affectation with his coin on his fingers and like the way that he slunk around the scenes and the way that he was just like Greasy? impossibly detached, like, yeah, but. Mm-hmm. But not in an insane way. Like he was an in, he was detached, but like intelligent, right? You know what right. I mean? Like yeah. he's clearly Purp- crazy, purposefully detached. Yeah. yeah and, and how about his introduction of how crazy he was oh, um, <laughs> with the photo session, and then the guy kind of coming back a little bit, and then he just goes over there and and easily <laughs> offs him again. You know. So yeah. I thought that he was gonna be like, oh, here's the police photographer, and then he's going to like somehow pick up a trail of like, oh, there's this gangster trying to take out other gangsters. Let me help the guy. Like, I had no clue, dude. Like, very well-executed character moment. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the best show that he is a sociopath, right? And, and re- remember, too, you know, everybody was dead when, when he shot Michael, right? Everybody was gone that was going to to give him anything for the unless he was paid in advance for this job. Right. right. Uh, no, well, Stanley Tucci was the one yes. who paid him, so he was going to oh, get okay. paid. Okay. Yeah. Um, and can we just really quickly? I so like when I'm watching a movie that I've never seen before, I identify characters and settings where I'm like um, safe from the plot, right? Like okay, nothing's going to happen in this scene that's going to like irrevocably change the direction the movie is going in, and I can feel comfortable with how much I'm mm-hmm. enjoying this character's performance. For me, that was Stanley Tucci in this movie. I was like, yes, this is perfect role for Stanley Tucci. I believe him 100%. I love seeing him do this. I love the cigar. I love the pinstripe. I love the slick back hair. I feel 100% safe. I don't know what this character is going to do, but whatever he does, I'm cool with it because he's perfect. I love Stanley Tucci in this movie. Like, I love him in general, but when you get him in the right spot, there's kind of nobody better than Stanley Tucci. I mean, yeah. that guy. You want him on, a, on your side. Right. Basically. For a side character that's going to like have some importance but not take over your movie, I just, man, the guy is a master. I, I loved him. Well, he's he's also a super sleazy because even when Rooney says, "Don't hurt the kid," he still gives instructions to Jude Law to kill the kid. So yeah. now, and that's a question, right? So they also had that meeting where the the I can't remember the actor's name, but he has the sleazy like lawyer face, um, and he ends up being the accountant, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. he's like. They said something about unions, and then Rooney goes, hey, look, we screw them when they get off work. We take their money. We don't need to screw them at work, too, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like this nice little, uh, you know, reminder, like, hey, here's here's when things started to change. You know, like, here's where, here's where corruption becomes a thing that affects everybody in the country and not just the people in the back alleys and the, 
the speakeasies, you know, that kind of a thing. And there was a couple moments of that. So he, you know, the rest of his guys are thinking like, okay, well, when he's gone, we're going to have to listen to Daniel Craig. And to me, that's why Stanley Tucci did everything he did. He's like, there's no way in hell I'm going to end up listening to that sniveling guy. Like, I'll just end this whole family right now if I have to. Like, Yeah. And, and, and you get the sense that he's intelligent enough to make that happen, right? Where, where he, he is somebody that can, I don't know about taking over the family business, but at least make things happen where, where he's more comfortable. Right. Yes. Uh, okay. So my five word, um, I wrote... Moving on. No, okay. no, you're fine. Uh, I only wrote the one, and I just simply did sad road trip bank robbers. Oh, yeah. I'm glad they didn't call it that. I probably would not have watched it. Yeah, it was meant for a. For <laughs> that's a the alternate. T- that's what they titled it in England. <laughs> that was the code name. Yeah, it's the code name when they sent it to the theaters. It's sad, <laughs> sad road trip bank robbers. Sad road trip bank robbers. <laughs> kind of does sound like so, something Eeyore would say, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what you hey, watching there, Eeyore? Sad road trip with bank robbers. Okay. Actually, I, if I use the word with, I'll take from, was it Andrew had only four and one? I had an extra. Did you? Yeah. yeah, so I have the extra word, so I'll do a six-word review and say, sad road trip with bank robbers. There, there you go. go. What were you going to say, Jesse? Um, I don't 100% remember. No. Okay. If you have a point, <laughs> go ahead and make it. <laughs> an additional point. <laughs> I don't. Um, we've kind of said a lot of things that I, I really, really agree with and and... There's not much more. The, the, that, the accountant man you were talking about, his real name is um, Dylan Baker, who, I mean, I kind of don't feel bad for him, but the fact that he was used as bait and then, like, what happens to bait, it gets killed, he gets shot mm-hmm. in the back by the guy what set the hook uh, for the bait. So yeah. to keep the metaphor there, um, I, I think it's interesting. I also really found it interesting that the... Um, there was a subplot that just didn't matter. You know, the, that Tom Hanks finds the books and then he finds proof that there's this corruption and he, mm. he gives it to, to Mr. Rooney and he's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh. I know and basically he's my son. There's nothing I can do because he's my son. Yeah. Exactly. It well, was just, yeah. And like, that's what I raised him to do was be ruthless yeah. and take over shit. So, well, it, and, and here's it, my question, you know, the, the, the wake that they're at where, where the brother is kind of gets up drunkenly and says stupid things before he's ushered out that money that is missing. Is that because what's his name? Stole the money. Yeah. Connor, yeah. Uh, uh, Daniel Craig. So yeah. Connor inevitably, I mean, he basically passed the buck and those, those two brothers got killed because of it. Yes. That was what he okay. was saying was like, he's been opening accounts in dead people's names. Yeah. So it's okay. like every time he wants to take money from you, he makes you think somebody needs to be killed from your organization or from, you know, somewhere in your giant. Yeah. Here. Yeah. I, Daniel Craig, man, like I didn't know going in that he was in it. And the first time I saw him, I was like, why is he so creepy? <laughs> like he looked, <laughs> he's he Bond for God's sake. He, yeah, he's supposed like, to be you know smooth and, yeah. and uh, you know for the good. 
yeah. it was the it was the hair like it was that 30s hair man like the yeah. grease that they were using must have been actually from the 30s or something but he <laughs> i mean not a lot of actors i feel like not very many actors can do both halves of that so well i mean other than for say you know tom hanks but mm-hmm. like to see craig be that level of like make your skin crawl and just like well yeah he, he doesn't jude law did like, it too <laughs> that's yeah. true but i think jude law does that for me that's what i'm saying like jude law's face looks too much like jude law you always see jude law but in this it was the hair again with with the hair it was like yeah. they showed that widow's peak shaved off and i was like okay i believe that he's a, tw- a 1930s american guy like and I'm sorry, you guys. Do you all own long black peacoats and wide brim hats? Because I really want to buy a wide brim hat to go with my long black peacoat now. Like, <laughs> that was just cool looking, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I used to have a, a long black trench coat yeah. until, you know, the, the, you know, right after the Matrix, you know, yep. um, and then it wasn't cool back in the 2000s or whatever. Um, but that's as close as I've come to something like that. Yeah. I don't know if I could pull off a hat like that. I don't know if I got the right head shape for it, but I've got a black peacoat. Yeah. My yeah. head's too big. <laughs> it looked like a watermelon stuffed in a, in a <laughs> knitted cap or something. Yeah. I like that. That that image is great. Uh, I'm going to run through a few more, few more notes before we do clips and other things that we do. Uh, let's see. Um, I did say it's still hard to watch him shoot the wife in the back. Uh, that was mm. a hard scene to, to kind of watch. And she protects the tries to protect the son. Yeah, and, she oh, does what a mom does, and, and it's yeah. just rough. Yeah. Um, I did write, this was, this is one of those moments where I, I don't know, I just, it's an intense moment when Mike is forcing his son to hold a gun, right? He's yelling at him, take the gun. And the first thing the kid mm-hmm. does is he looks at the gun, and by doing so, he turns it directly towards his dad. I don't know if you know, but the barrel of the gun is literally, I'm like, come on, kid, like muzzle, muzzle control or whatever, or muzzle discipline. Yeah. 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 There's a little bit of discipline there. So, um, I don't know. Maybe that might've been a a director's choice saying, let's, let's show that he doesn't know anything about guns and how they work and safety and stuff. But I just, I did notice that. Well, and I think to your point about how there was this subplot that sort of didn't seem like it mattered. I think that that's supposed to sort of mirror the kid's journey in the movie, right? So, like, the kid goes from, you know, when he when his little brother first asks him, you know, what his dad do, he's like, he goes on missions for Mr. Rooney, and he, like, fights people and kills people and does all this stuff. He has a gun. Like, you don't know? And it turns out that he's actually kind of just making that up. Like, he knows that <laughs> there's a gun involved, but he has no idea why. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then his version of, you know, his his picture of reality and what reality actually are when those two things run into each other the kid like breaks down right and that's the same thing that happens to tom hanks because he goes hey here's the here's the story i've cracked the case you know i figured it out and he's like no what you think this is about is not what this is about your your version of this story and reality two different things and now that they're crashing together it's going to break you because the only option you have left is to kill your surrogate father or be on the run forever with your son. So do yeah. one of those yeah. two things. Yeah. Yes, that's that's actually a really good point, and I hadn't thought about that, and I'm now um, happy that you told me. 
there's another really interesting metaphor that that kind of stays in the movie, and that is um, water signifies death in this movie, right? So it's raining when when uh, Mike and Jude Law go to do go see the guy. I, I that guy Syrian something his real name Syrian. He's uh, king of the north. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's I, king of the north. He's he's real. He's he's um he's Irish. But the first thing I saw him in was he was the Russian president in Some of All Fears. So I just associate him with the Russian accent. So that's that when where he's, I recognized okay. him. So when he's talking with this you know Irish this uh, Boston or this New York Chicago whatever kind of accent i'm like oh this is so weird anyway when they go to talk to him right it's raining okay and then when daniel craig goes to the house it's raining plus the boy just got out of the bath right so there's there's another moment and then uh then the ocean right they're at the ocean when when tom hanks gets shot uh and then of course the rain scene where tom hanks uh you know murders the rest of the Rooney crew. It's also raining. So it's a it's a constant throughout the movie. Oh plus Daniel Craig gets shot in the face in a bathtub. There's yeah. something I just realized while you were talking. Um so in, in the Japanese culture, right? So in America, right, we wear black to mourn and we wear black to funerals and stuff like that. But in Japanese culture, white is the color most associated with death, right? So what do we have in this movie? We've got snow. We've got the, the white flash of the Tommy gun in the black alleyway. We've mm. got Tom Hanks in the white shirt when he finally gets shot at the end of the movie. We've got Daniel Craig in the white, pristine white bathroom when he gets shot. We've got Tom Hanks in the pristine white room of the beach house when he gets mm-hmm. shot. It's a black and white water and life and death, like... I didn't even realize that until you wow. started talking about water, Sean. That's amazing. And to go with like the, the film noir aspect of this, that level of balance on black and white, like you guys, I'm getting goosebumps right now and I'm freaking <laughs> out. So I'm gonna have to stop talking. <laughs> One of you has to talk. Oh, no worries. Well, uh, and yeah. and um are we to assume that the ant is dead? I'm I'm making that assumption because otherwise right, no. He would stay with them, right? Little yeah. little Mikey would stay with her. Yeah. So I'm I'm making that assumption. I don't think. I guess we're going to, have to explain it again. We have a a a, a, a uh, it's not a trope. I guess it is a trope that we use um, um, on the podcast called the hopping man kind of mechanism. So again, if you're a new listener uh, because of Jesse or just a new listener in general, uh, you'll hear us if you continue to listen. Great. Uh, we use a phrase called a hopping man. It's a it's a trope that we associate when a movie introduces a, an an idea or a person, typically a person, and then we never see them again. And it goes back to our episode of Dark Man, where there was a guy who was literally hopping on a leg, and we see him twice, and then the third time the gang is there, he's gone. Yeah, go back and listen to yeah, our. He Dark didn't man make episode. it in that day. He yeah, he was just not there for whatever reason, and so we I, we associate. Things. So my point is, is that I don't think she's a hopping man. I just think we're just we're led to believe that she's that she's dead. So, well, and even if she isn't, she's a danger, right? Like it's it, even if she's not dead, she's not an option anymore. So it's like 
effectively she's dead either way. Yeah. Right. Because he wouldn't go there even if he thought she wasn't dead. He wouldn't go there now. So. No, yeah. that's a good point because that means Mr. Nix, whatever, uh, Tucci, right? Even if he decides that you know, Michael needs to die or Mikey, whatever, little kid junior needs to die and he sends someone to the sister's house, he'll find either one, she's dead or two, she's alive, but by herself. Right. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. tying him to the old folks that he goes and lives with on the farm at all. So he's, right. he's, a, he's essentially Luke on Tatooine. <laughs> well, except... <laughs> that only works because they didn't have forensics back then, right? Like, they, they would have gone, well, there are five houses in 50 miles. Let's just check all five. Like, Well, yeah, I don't, yeah we don't know how far back that he was traveling. And I yeah. also think it's interesting that he was coming from the same direction, from the left, right? Because he uh, showed up, whatever. Oh, That's- okay, and question, was the, was the farmhouse that they stopped at, was that after they passed that um, very prominent crossroads i don't i remember there was one shot that pulled out from the crossroad for like eight seconds straight oh you know what that might have been right before they stopped at the diner now that i think about it but it was i feel like it was the same and i'm sure that it wasn't but like the way it was shot made it feel like the same crossroads from uh spoiler alert oh brother where art thou Mm -hmm. uh it it just gave me that exact same feeling and i would you know of course, it's an obvious visual metaphor when they do it, but they really stretch that crossroads out, I think, to give us, like, look, he could still go in a couple of directions. It's not any direction at this point, but it's a couple of different ways that he could go about this. Right. I loved that shot. Uh, I like the establishing shot when we're meeting Jude Law for the first time, where they do the thing where they zoom out with the camera, but push in with the physical camera. I like that. That stretchy thing that was very popular in the 2000s or the early aughts, and I, I liked it. I still like it. I think it's a very viable thing. Uh, worst, I said not the worst cop we've ever seen, but there's a guy in the street shooting, and you walk up to him and go, "Hey," without your gun drawn, you kind of deserve to get shot. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, there's Excuse no... me, sir. Yeah, <laughs> just... like you don't have to ask. He's shooting something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know it's the 30s when we're just used to everybody having guns and, you know, Tommy guns and, and whatever, but... Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, I love that this movie had a Chekhov's Tommy gun instead of just a regular handgun. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Last couple notes here is... I'm typing something here. Sorry. Uh... No, that's it. That's actually it. Uh, I love the nice. mirror, and then the last. My last note was I love this score. That's it. Uh, clips now. Ready? Ready for some clips? Clippy clips. Clippy clips. Here we go. Uh, this sounds like a very Irish thing to say. Let's drink to Danny's honor. Let's wake him to God and hope that he gets to heaven at least an hour before the devil finds out he's dead. Um, this was a great scene. I love this scene. It's kind of a long scene. I had to cut it a little bit so that it, we weren't going to be sitting here for a minute listening to silence. So it's 28 seconds, so kind of tuck in a little bit. But I, I think this was a very powerful scene, and that's why I captured it. I'd like to apologize for what happened, especially to you, Pa. Two weeks and a month. 
What can I say? We lost a good man last night. You think it's funny? Try again. I'd like to apologize. You would like to apologize? Try again. That's so great. Uh, that doesn't sound like Daniel Craig. We were talking about how, how he, he disappears into the voice. And, uh, you know, if you would play that for anybody, they, they would not be able to identify who that is um, uh, playing that character. Yeah. And he puts that, that gangster why, right? Like that, what could I say? But he doesn't overdo it. He's not like like making fun of Americans or anything. Like he just, he lands it perfectly. Yeah, Andrew, you 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 mentioned sound design a little while ago. I I only really, uh, only keyed in on it when I was capturing the audio. And again, I've said this a thousand times, or at least three hundred or so, that you know when I go back and get the audio clip, I usually key in on something different than I did originally. And when he smacks the table, there is silence. We get to hear the echo of that smack mm-hmm. for what feels like an hour. Before he yeah. says anything, I think it's just great. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if that was result of you know uh, an edit choice or a director or an actor choice to let let the moment breathe. You know, don't slam your hand down and then immediately jump into the to the to the insult or to the the verbal right. slap down. Right, like just take a moment, let it breathe. And I just I think it's such a great great acting choice or or choice. Well, um, I don't know if you've ever been in a in a situation where somebody's done that, you know, slam their hand on the table or out of anger and frustration, but you can feel it in a room. You know, when you when you know that somebody is that angry, no one's going to talk, especially if it's the guy that, you know, the head of the family and you're supposed to respect this person and uh, so I think it was because of that, but it was also, like you said, just a great little sound uh, present that they gave us. Yeah. Here's a little bit of uh, humor in this movie. You going to frisk me? Should I? It's a good idea. There you go. thought that was kind of funny. Uh, I also liked... Uh, I kind of felt bad for that bodyguard guy. He had a really... I mean, for a dude that's just a bodyguard, he had a really kind of deep, deeper understanding of what was going on in the during the Depression. Always money for frills and twists, and never money for food. Sometimes I despair of the species, you know. I just like that phrase, despair of the species. Well, and to be looking for a job when you're pretty sure the guy you're talking to is there to kill you, like. That really shows the desperation that some of those folks were going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he. Uh, well, I mean, he might not have known he was there to kill him, but he he didn't know what he was there. He might have been thinking, well, he might be here to kill my boss, and if he kills my boss, I'm gonna need a job. So maybe I could come work for you. <laughs> uh, here's Jude Law being creepy. I shoot the dead. There you go. I, I didn't get any, I didn't really get a whole lot of Jude Law talking. He didn't have very many lines, honestly. So, um, but that's okay. And most of his lines came in his exchange with Tom Hanks. Like that was probably ninety percent of his dialogue, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it would, yeah, it, yeah. Because the only other really heavy dialogue moment was when he's on the phone, getting the instructions. Well, from, and telling the boy to give him the gun. Oh yeah, he did have like one or two lines at the end. I did see something in the trivia, like in the last twenty minutes of the movie, there's only six lines of dialogue. I oh, mean, wow. there's 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 a lot happening with very little talking, which is, I think, actually wow. kind of great. Yeah, it is. Uh, last one I got. But if I read about this in the papers, if I read about the savings of some innocent farmers being wiped out by a heartless bank robber, I won't be happy. Good afternoon. You really trust me not to say anything? Always trust a bank manager. <laughs> then he pockets the cash. <laughs> He's great. I, I, that's the last one you got? Yeah. Is it not? Oh, well, you missed one. Did I? Yeah, I I I got it though. I got you covered. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you didn't catch that one? No, I didn't. I missed that somehow. Yeah, uh, a, I mean, there's a snake was, in his boot too. I think he so. was getting ready to he was getting ready to pop some guys and cap them, you know. And he's that's when it you, you missed know what, it. You know what? It was funny? raining. You know what the funny part is about that? I assume that you have the toy there with you, right? No, it's actually from YouTube. Oh, okay. So the the toy, the actual toy that you buy, is voiced by his brother. Right? His brother, yeah, yeah. Which is, is it really? Cool. I did not know that. Yeah, he he confessed that on uh, a talk show of sorts, some some talk show. The Graham, Graham, the Graham, Graham Norton. Norton show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that same clip. Yes, time for this. And now for some more bad news. Ready? This movie is loosely based on actual events and a real enforcer for mobster John Looney, who was betrayed by him. Hmm. Now, wasn't this possibly also based on a graphic novel about that person? Yeah, the screenplay in the movie was based on a graphic novel. The story itself is based loosely on a real thing. That's huh. Crazy. Yeah. It feels real. Like it feels like it has that that twinge of like this would probably happen if that were mm-hmm. the setup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to create a villain that could challenge, that could challenge the physically imposing Tom Hanks, director Sam Mendes wanted Jude Law to seem rodent-like. Weird. Cause I was well, there you go. Snivelly and creeping around and very. Bad teeth. His teeth weirded me out. Yeah. For the bank robbery sequences, uh, Michael Sullivan Jr., uh, Tyler, his real name, Tyler Hoekland, Hoekchen, whatever, he had to learn how to drive, something that he was happy to do. Tyler mastered it all easily, but just to be on the safe side, a stunt driver was sitting in the back with his own set of driving controls. Oh, Sam. What? what did this movie have that we haven't had in a long time? Mm. We had a montage. We had Absolutely. a bank robbing kid trying to learn how to drive stick and get a get away montage of show. it was that montage was great. And it it was funny too. It was just downright funny. You know, he, he creeps up and he's just take your time. <laughs> 
Not in a hurry. <laughs> and the next time he goes flying past him, and the other time he almost cut the car. It was great. It was so good. So good. Montage. And, and the music was so much fun. It was like a <laughs> jaunty bank robbing tune. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because because we know that he's robbing from Al Capone, so who cares? Right. You right. know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like he's robbing from people that are that are struggling in the twenties and or in the thirties. Um, okay, and then the last uh, trivia that IMDb offered me was Sam Mendes confessed that Paul Newman walked on his hands between takes to amuse the crew on set. Holy crap! <laughs> Just it's, it's amazing. Do that at thirty. I don't know how he's doing. My God, yeah, really? Now it's amazing. I have another story to tell here, um, and bear with me. So I last week we had Will Triplett on the, the show. Uh, Will was an actor. I guess technically he still is an actor. He worked with me, or I worked with him, more appropriately, on Palmetto Point down in Charleston all those years ago. And he stayed in the business and has uh, continued to have a career as a writer and um, other, other things like that. So I sent him a message and said, hey, because when he found out last week that we were doing this movie, you know, he was very excited and he mentioned very specifically the, that the cinematographer, this cinematographer was his favorite cinematographer. He was, you know, in love with his work. And I sent him this piece of trivia that I thought was really great. I said, well, th- this is a trivia. One day when cinematographer Conrad Hall was setting up a shot of Paul Newman, Paul looked through his viewfinder and began to cry. When he asked, when, when asked what was wrong, he said, he was so beautiful, he was so beautiful. This is the final live-action feature for both Hall and Newman before they both died. They'd also worked uh. together on Cool Hand Luke. Uh. So these two had a... So Will says, I've got some trivia for you. Paul Newman's final scene in the film was his scene in the basement. It was his final, it was his last uh, shooting scene. It was the scene in the basement where he's talking about his son's death. He gave an Oscar-worthy performance in that scene. This is Will talking, for which he was absolutely chilling, which what I didn't know when I saw it for the first time was that Newman's son had just died in real life, and the scene had nothing to do with the performance. He was just wearing his heart on his sleeve. They only did one take for coverage, it was all he could handle. Afterwards, he requested to go back to his trailer. So when his eyes are huh. red and weepy, he's using he's using yeah, real yeah. life to to emote, and it's just oh, rough. Yeah, yeah. It's just rough. Wow. The second part of this that Will told me is true story. This is Will talking again. Also, this is a true story. I had the opportunity to meet Paul Newman twice. I served him at a restaurant I was working at in New York City. When he was meeting with his agent, he ordered a ribeye steak with fried onions and three Amstel lights. We talked for hours about my acting path, and he gave me the most amazing advice. Two nights later, I'm at work, and he comes in and asks the hostess, is Will here? Same story. We talked for two hours, just hamming it up about shop. He ordered the same thing. He died a week and a half later. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's just crazy. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. It I is. Will on this episode instead of me. That's pretty. Well, I am thankful for the for Will and his friendship and the fact that I'm able to to pull his uh, expertise and and uh, 
I think how how far he's come from that that bad TV show that we worked on all those years ago. Um, <laughs> even he will admit, and I love to joke about it. I can joke about it now because one, it was bad, and two, I was bad at my job, so it it also makes it really uh, more enjoyable for all all involved. Um, one of these days, I seriously one of these days think that I'm gonna take. I have the pilot on DVD, and if I if I rip it and let you guys watch it, maybe we should review just the pilot. I don't know how. Other people could watch it legally, because I don't have permission to do that. But anyway, we'll find a way. Or, I don't know. Time for this. Excuse me while I whip this out. Time for our top three. We decided to do movies set during the Depression era. And I will let Andrew goes first, because his are always the best. I, well, I get to go first? You, you usually go first on these. Well, yeah, I but, do, you, but recently you put him last because he's... Yeah. Oh, you're right, you're right. Andrew goes last because you're the best. You're right. Sorry. Guest Jesse goes oh, I got goes excited first. for a minute. No, Jesse right. goes first because Andrew, you're the best. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my own thing. I even have it written here and I just, I'm screwed up. I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just went for it. No, nah, you're fine. As a podcast host, I fully understand the pain of writing down and planning everything and then forgetting <laughs> to reference it despite it being directly in front of you. <laughs> So um, the first one that that came to me, um, we'll call this a bonus because it's not actually a depression movie. It's just a, a movie that's in black and white that I love that I was immediately reminded of when I saw this movie, even though it's not in black and white, just kind of the, some of the cinematography, um, which is Eight and a Half by uh, Federico Fellini. It's uh, I think it's 1963, possibly the single most visually gorgeous film I have ever seen in my life. Um, black and white, like I was saying, very, very stark color difference or uh, lighting differences, just like this movie. Um, but my number one Depression era movie has to be Oh Brother Where Art Thou? I know I mentioned uh. it earlier, <laughs> but like that movie is perfect in so many ways, and it's it's this this piece of comfort, you know, like you were saying, I think you were saying earlier, Sam, that Hollywood told a complete story with this movie. You know, they yeah. just gave us this one story that from start to finish. And I definitely felt the same way about, Oh brother, where art thou? Now the caveat there being that that's, you know, the odyssey, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's still a very well-made movie. And I love the color grading in that. And just that, that very old timey bluegrass music soundtrack to that movie just <laughs> makes me want to cry. That is a play. great soundtrack. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I mean, some of the tracks on that soundtrack literally physically make me cry when I listen to them. That that rendition of "Oh Death" on there is mm. like mind blowingly good. And then uh, "Go to Sleep," the song that the sirens sing in the river. Mm, yeah, first lullaby I ever used on my daughter, and it worked a charm. So. Um, Maybe not, not child appropriate, but she doesn't know that. Um, <laughs> I, I used to play the uh, the song that the dwarves sing in the in the first Hobbit movie when they're singing about the destruction of their home. I used to play that for my kids because it's a low frequency, so I would let my, you know, I would, I would it, it would put them right to sleep. So. <laughs> nice, brilliant. I should try that. Yeah. Um, the other one I, the second one I wrote down, uh, also classic, obviously, To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, that was kind of one of the only other movies I could think of that took place during the Depression, but immediately was like, oh yeah, that has to be on there. Um, when we were, you know, about to have 
our child, uh, we had we were discussing names, you know, and if we'd had a boy, I wanted his middle name to be Atticus uh, to match my middle initial, but also just because very strong name and the kind of namesake you could be proud of. I think you want to, you know, show your kid, hey, look, you're named after somebody who really did it right, even though it was hard to do it right. And, you know, you could probably go back and litigate to kill a mockingbird if you wanted to. But the point of that, of the Gregory Peck character from the movie is that he was doing the right thing, you know? So I really, mm -hmm. I really love that movie too. And then the, the last one feels like a cop-out because um, <laughs> it's also Tom Hanks, but it's the Green Mile. And yes. uh, mm -hmm. that's, you know, to your, when you were saying earlier, you know, that what your wife calls your, uh, your wedding night, this was actually what, my wife called our wedding night because I was sick. So green mile. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh no, that's disgusting. Oh, I wasn't really sick. I just had to get one of those in there. I no, you're great. Myself. That's great. <laughs> I had I had pulled muscles in both my legs playing laser tag the morning of my uh, of my wedding, and I literally needed help up and down off the toilet and into the tub. And, and like off the bed, you know, I was, I was an invalid for at least two days after my wedding. It was crazy. Well, what, what idiot you know took you to play well. laser tag? I don't know. I just, jeez. <laughs> what, what idiot just let me run around like I was running around like, <laughs> uh, you know, playing laser tag? Uh, at least you didn't this get is, sunburnt like Chad's wedding. That's true. This is the only, this is the kind of thing you only get with experience, right? Because <laughs> I would have never thought to tell my friends, hey, Whatever you do, don't play laser tag two days before you get married. <laughs> oh. And now I know to tell them that. Well, exactly. Well, you can play it, just don't. You can't be you know, crazy. 100 miles an hour. You know, act, we, act like an 18 year old when you're. I guess I was still 20 something. But yeah, I was 25, just, and we also still played laser tag the day before my wedding. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. oh. Yeah, it, it's not been that long ago, actually, that we played laser tag, and uh, I have to say god the uh the style in which you guys play laser tag now is <laughs> it's vastly different than what you're describing <laughs> hey i was running around i was uh i was not just camping in a corner i was doing some some running yeah yeah <laughs> sam was though camping in a corner i couldn't find him though yeah i went upstairs and was camping yeah so uh, saying what you got, for, were you Jesse? Was that your three? Uh, yes, okay, sorry. I yeah, I'm, I'm not much different except I added Cinderella Man at number three with uh, Mr. Crow. I've got Green Mile at two, and then the movie that I, if it's on, I'm watching it. If I'm channel surfing, um, I'm stopping to watch it, and it's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Sure, yeah. all right. So I'm gonna go, but before I go, I'm actually gonna let Twitter. Uh, and Facebook tells us what they said. So Facebook, Melissa said, Of Mice and Men and To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, we also had on the Twitter, uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm going give, to give credit, right, uh, Jesse, that Cameron runs the Green Shirt Twitter account? Yes, sir. So Cameron posted uh, the King Kong movie. Mm. He also... Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that one. He's a film nerd. Uh, and he also did The Journey of Natty Gan, which has Damn. John Cusack and... He's kind of all about the deep cuts. Like, that's his... That's his, his style. Band. 
Yeah. And then he also said the Warren Beatty Dick Tracy movie. Okay. So, so thank you to uh, Cameron, who uh, we have scheduled on the podcast in like two or three weeks. So very cool. You guys are gonna have a blast with Cameron. He's he's one of those guests that makes you feel like he knows your thing better than you do. Like about half the time. Oh no, it's every <laughs> guest. That's all the guests. Um, that's and that's okay. That's why we invite them on because they know more than we do. Uh, I'm switching out all. I'm switching out some of my top three uh, because you know, oh brother, where art thou? Is great, and I kind of figured with this category, I knew I think we were all going to pick it, so that's why I didn't. So my number three, and you guys can rip me or my man card all you want to, but I think it's a good movie, and that's Water for Elephants. You know, I just I just found that book downstairs that I was thinking of right of reading. Is it a love story? It is. Like, it, oh, okay. It's it's it, it's a love story set during the depression, during um, I having not read the book, I don't know, but Do I, the elephants die at the end. I'm not going to tell you that, but I am going to tell you. Oh, but, but wait, I, I I have to know because I refuse to. No, watch. the elephant does not die at the end. In okay, fact, that's all I need to know. Thank you. The elephant does not die, and in fact, the elephant. Um, in this case, don't, don't ruin it. Okay. I know I, what the movie, I don't know what he does in the book, but in the movie anyway, but, uh, Christoph, he, he gets uh, water. he does get say. water. Yeah. Uh, Christoph Waltz is, is oh, kind the of the, finally gets a drink. uh, Christoph Waltz is the bad guy in that, in that movie. And he is just as terrifying in that movie as he is as a Nazi in Inglorious Bastards. I mean, he's like, you feed your elephant some water. <laughs> my number two i did the highwaymen that we did for the show uh, was that again that was wait was it during the depression yeah it was the whole bonnie and clyde running mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. okay okay sorry i was yep. getting it, it it mixed up with that other um with the, the texas uh yeah never mind okay kevin Costner, i think was in that one um, I can't remember what else. Well, yeah, Highwaymen. Yeah, hi, uh, Kevin, Kevin Costner and um, Woody Harrelson are in Highwaymen. And they're after awesome. Bonnie and Clyde. We watched it for the podcast. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like 300 episodes ago. It was like 25, <laughs> but that's fine. Um, still like half a year ago. They all start running together. You hey, know? it's during COVID, so it all time is all weird. Uh, that's all I know. Yeah. And my number one, I did Legend of Bagger Vance. Oh, Will Smith. Yeah, I I like that movie. I just think it's a sweet movie. I think it's really nice, and golf I think movie? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's to call it a golf movie is like saying The Natural is a baseball movie. It's uh, you know, baseball is just the right. the vehicle that moves the plot forward. Right. The plot is uh, a, yeah, it's, mm. yeah. All right, that's it. Time for this thing. Wait, no, what's supposed to happen? Oh wait, what? Gosh dang it, Andrew. <laughs> This is what happens when I screw up my own thing. Andrew, what is your top three? I'm used to going last. Andrew. God, I just get crapped on. This is twice I've done this. I did this to you last week. Gosh dang it. (laughs) I even saved my price check on Vagisil joke when you were talking about your man card. I I saved it because I thought, no, Sean's going to remember me this time, so I'm not going (laughs) to... I'm not going to rip him one. Uh. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) I also had Dick Tracy on my list, but since one of our listeners 
mentioned it. I'm going to move that down to my honorable mention. I have Gandhi at number three, Gandhi. which technically take, took, takes place during that time, even though it's not technically in, in the Great Depression as far as being in the United States proper. Um, I have Ray with Jamie Foxx at All number right. two. Okay. And then number one, I have the Imitation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, I think that's World War One. That's World War Two. That's nineteen. Is that World War Two? That's nineteen forties. Nineteen. Yeah, we were kind of out Monturing. of it. It's a little bit after, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Okay, it was. It's reaching. You were close. It's reaching. <laughs> well, then I'll I'll replace it with Dick Tracy, but, which which in my notes I put as Duck Tracy. I don't know why I did that, but yes, I'll replace it with that. Autocorrect strikes again. Okay, it was well worth the wait. I apologize, Andrew, once again for doing it yeah, two, yeah, two yeah. weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what was that, Daniel? Uh, Daniel, uh, gosh, what's his name? <laughs> I'm so Radcliffe. Yes, thank you, Daniel Radcliffe. Wait, what's supposed to happen? This is where we do our score out of 10. Now, Jesse, I was on Jesse's show, the Sudden But Inevitable podcast, where they review Firefly, and they do a score of out of 10. Now, of course, we do decimal points on this podcast because after 300 episodes, you have to. So I went on there with my smart-ass self and said, I'm going to give the episode Ariel a 9.76. I gave it a 9.6, and he's like, you're flipping killing me, dude. Because he's like, <laughs> he's trying to do the math of, to average it out. And uh, so he, he was giving me some grief. He's like, I'm going to put a stop to this decimal point garbage. Um, <laughs> and I said, well, you must embrace the decimal when you come on our show. It's because the next week, somebody immediately was like, I think like eight point. And I was like, okay, relax. <laughs> just, just chill. Well, and what it was is because after you said uh, 9.6, Josh was like, I'm going to go, since we're doing that, I'm going to go 8.3. And I'm yeah. like, dude. So it wasn't you. <laughs> it was my friend. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. But, wow. um, yeah, I I brought a decimal with me just to, to fit in. There you go. <laughs> Great. Andrew, you go first this time, and I mean it. You sure you don't want me to wait till the end? No, and then forget I, you. I can wait till the end. <laughs> and, and then, then I forget, forget you. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, I think I'm just gonna jump in with a uh, this one. I liked, you know, this one I couldn't find much wrong with, and uh, everyone was uh, did a great job in this. And Jude Law, I think, I don't, we didn't talk that much about him, but I think he really was one of the the better actors in the movie, uh, aside from from Hanks. But they all did, they all did great. So I'm gonna give this a uh, seven. Point four. Okay. Uh, just for point of reference, uh, IMDb gives this seven point seven with two hundred and almost fifty thousand votes. So that's uh, you're tracking right along with just about everybody else. Uh, Jesse, I'll let you go now. Um, to your point about Jude Law, I think a hundred percent correct, and that scene in the diner is like that's masterful right there from both of the guys in that scene and i think what really struck me about it was that they both know that the other one is a killer but only one of them is nervous about being in the room with the other one and i think that's because hank's wrecking hank's character recognizes 
this guy isn't about loyalty. He's not the same kind of killer I am. This guy is a killer, like who kills it because who does it because sociopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah. yeah, he'll kill everybody uh, in this diner to kill me. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that's where the nervousness was coming from because he knew he could handle himself. Right. He's like, I just don't know about this entire situation here. Um, I having never seen this movie. I, I don't I don't know how this is going to sound, but it's honest. So I'm going to say it. I generally expect not to like most movies that I see. Like um, it's like, you know, how most music. Right. There's a there's a billion songs. And most music is pretty average at best or bad. And then there's some really great stuff. I think movies are the same way. Books are the same way. Food is the same. Literally anything is the same way, right? But I just generally go in expecting to go, eh, it was okay, but this, that, and the other thing. I had so much fun with this movie. Like, I I really... It's not that I wasn't expecting to. It was just like, damn, this is kind of out of nowhere for me. I mean, especially me, because usually I'm waiting a week to watch an episode sort of firefly and then star trek you know or whatever it is so this is generally outside of my normal wheelhouse um but it it shares this quality with um mad max fury road where if you turned off all the audio you could pretty much still get the plot of this movie like it's told so visually and so beautifully and in such a way that is meant to be visual that like if you weren't hearing it you'd still get it right like i immediately understood that the kid was uncomfortable even though he wanted to be at the grown-up party at the wake he was still uncomfortable because he didn't know what was going on and there's grown-up stuff happening and he's like wait what's going on and they did a really great job of putting us in his shoes i didn't know what was going on either i knew there was something going on so for me to just step into a movie like that and then come out the other side of it having really enjoyed it and having been surprised at the efficacy of the acting and the beauty of the cinematography and the deafness, which with the score is laid over everything, I have to give this movie an 8.917. Nice. Because it's just, it's very close to an A for me. Um, I think it probably emotionally is an A for me. Um, but if I'm trying to get somebody else to watch it, I would probably say, dude, very solid B+, because I don't want to set their expectations too high. Um, so yeah, that's my rating. There you go. Now you're embracing the decimal. I like it. Sam? I, I cannot do, do much more uh, than describe it that way. Um, this movie hit a sweet spot for me today. When I, when I went into it already seeing it and already ready to bash it for being too slow, I sat and loved this thing. And um, music's great. Cinematography's great. Acting is great. When, when the only problem I have is possibly, uh, you know, the, the kid didn't sell me as much in terms of caring about him. Um, and and the angle of the blood splatter um, after the assassination in the tub, you know it's a good movie. So I, I'm up there. I'm going to give it an 8.52 out of 10. All right. I like that. Yeah. Um, I can't disagree either. I, I think we all really universally like this movie, which is not always a bad thing. I... Uh, again, I own this on DVD. I haven't seen it in a long time. I probably it's probably been ten years since I've sat and watched it, but I I liked it more this time than I did when I bought the thing. I just really really and, enjoyed it. So, and when was Jesse's the last time listeners? You saw it? Sorry, go ahead there, Sam. When did you see it last, Hope? 
Oh, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think. It was definitely before kids. It was definitely before yep, my and son. I think that's the difference yeah. right there. And my son's eight. And what were you saying, Andrew? Yeah. I was just going to say, for Jesse's listeners, DVDs are these things that they used to put movies on. Um, <laughs> Sean already explained we could, that we when he was them. on our show, yeah. Oh, oh okay. okay. Well, see, we used to paint on, on walls, on, on cave walls, <laughs> and then use a flame, and it kind of made them look like they moved a little bit. So The moving you know. pictures. Uh, I, I owned movies on tape, you guys. I've dialed a rotary phone before. I didn't own it, but <laughs> he saw one in a museum. It's, it's pretty. It's uh, I think this movie is really good. I I would almost use the word great. I think it's fantastic. If you've not watched it, if you're listening to this show, just for our sake or for Jesse's, please go watch this movie. Find a way to get a hold of it. I guess on Paramount Plus, um, or you know, shoot me a message and I'll mail you my DVD. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not giving that up. It's uh go watch it. It's really good. Find a way to watch it. It's so good. Tom Hanks is great. And yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. I'm just going to give it a simple eight because it actually works out for the rest of the math to uh, on the average. So averaging this out at an 8.20925. I think that's a good. Uh, yes. Yeah. Nice. And uh, I think that's good. Uh, gosh, that's it. That's the show. My gosh, this was so much fun. Jesse, please tell us all the ways that we can find you and the things that you do. Oh, gladly. Um, before I do that, I just want to say one more time, thank you, Sean, for inviting me on and Andrew and Sam. I've had just a blast. Like this has been really enjoyable for me. This is the second time I've ever guested on a podcast and I feel like a little kid. Like this is a <laughs> come true for me to be on a show that I don't have to edit and that I don't <laughs> well really we don't edit either to, though yeah That's like yeah. We don't, I don't have to do anything I just get to sit here so <laughs> thank you and I've had an awesome time with you guys and I'm slowly working my way through your backlog trust me it's happening oh, but it Lord. is well, it is a God long bless. backlog I'm not starting at the start I'm I'm going backwards yeah definitely from, don't start at the start because we <laughs> all right we sounded but, terrible uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, everybody does when they first start. So Um, the easiest way that you can get in direct contact with me for the show is on Twitter at Sudden Butt. We also have an Instagram at Sudden Butt Inevitable Podcast. You can uh, go and find everything all in one place, which is our live stream videos and our audio podcasts at twistmyarmpodcast.com slash SBI. That's part of the network that uh, the Twist My Arm Network is where we're a part of. So. Um, that's the easiest way to get a hold of us, Twitter, Instagram, and obviously you can subscribe to Sudden But Inevitable wherever you get podcasts. Um, we try to go live every Friday night at 8.30 Mountain Time. Usually it's within five to ten minutes of that, but we do stream that on Facebook, Twitch, and uh, YouTube, so you can watch us live. And then the podcast version of that comes out every Monday morning, and I personally think that's the best way to listen because you get all the on audio cues and you get a little higher sound quality so um that's definitely the easiest way to check out the sudden but inevitable rewatch yes definitely listen to them i listened to episode 11 today on my drive uh it's a good show if you like firefly definitely listen if you don't like firefly you should listen and then be convinced that firefly is good and also i was on it as well so you should listen to that episode like, like if everyone that listens to this show went and downloaded that episode, it would be like it would be amazing. I think it'd be great. 
uh, like just have this like huge spike in uh, listenership. I think that'd be cool as hell. Uh, I do too. <laughs> yeah, and definitely people that listen to this show definitely go check them out. They're great. Uh, also, people that listen to this show, you should check out, us out. Uh, go to our stuff at facebook.com slash cheap seat reviews. We're on Twitter at cheap seat cast. Uh, what else? I don't know. I have a script. Oh, you know what? I forgot to do the game. I didn't do the other thing, right? I'm already in my outro. Did we do the quote game last week, guys? I don't remember. Uh, Sam wasn't here. And I, I don't remember here, because so. I've slept. So. I'm right. going to go ahead and say, no, we didn't. All right. Well, let's just see. So uh, the quote game, tonight's quote is, quote, I wish I knew how to quit you. That's the quote. So there oh, you go. Are we supposed That's to guess what flick. movie it's from? No. It's, I know the movie. Yeah. It, oh, no, yeah, it's, I, I do too. It's, from the, it's, it's basically for the listeners. Um, occasionally, well, by occasionally, I mean once, we had someone uh, send me a message and say, hey, this is what the <laughs> quote is. Thank you, listener Andrew. You're the man. Um, not, not this Andrew, a different Andrew. Uh, I'm not the man. No, just, uh, <laughs> not in this case. <laughs> you usually <laughs> are. Just, but he's, he's just a placeholder, you know, just for Andrew. No. It's just the guy who I forget getting... that he's on the show. Um, <laughs> anyway, now I can get back into my outro. Uh, Facebook.com slash, I already said that, cheapseatreviews.libsyn.com is the easiest way you can get a hold of all of our back catalog. Be like Jesse and go and listen to old episodes. Um. Uh, except that one. Don't except look, whatever you do, not that one. Just not yeah. that one is just the worst. Don't yeah, cl- not that one. Click on the other one. There yeah, you go. No, That's no. a good one. Uh, it's You'll funny, realize it when you get there. I keep seeing posts on Facebook or not Facebook on Twitter, like, "Hey, link us your favorite episode." And it's like, Lord. I mean, I don't know. Like, I liked the one we did on Hot Fuzz or. The, you know, saying like it's not that I like the episode; it's just like I like the, the movie. one where Andrew fell asleep and started snoring. That was a good one. <laughs> that was that was a good one. <laughs> you know, you're old favorite, when picking a favorite child. You know, every every right, episode yeah. is sort of your baby. I, okay. <laughs> oh, maybe that's just me. No, I mean, I, well, again. Uh, you know, 11 episodes, you can kind of look back pretty recently and go, yeah, these were the good ones and these were the whatevers. But like, yeah, I mean, like the three of us are struggling to remember what happened last week. And <laughs> so I know that Will was on and I forgot Sam wasn't. So, I mean, I just, there we go. What else am I trying to say? I'm also trying to say is please leave us a review. Go to your phone, leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way to help, uh, to boost the rating of the show, go to Sudden But Inevitable and leave them a five-star review. That would be awesome because they, unlike me, will actually read your review on air. Uh, I don't do that, but uh, I should, but I don't. Uh, well, if we ever we had it, we would. Well, we, we actually have gotten one. Actually, we got one pretty recently, believe it or not. Um, we had oh, one. I haven't checked it like eight years. Uh, no, we, uh, we had one. Uh, not that long ago, uh, somebody posted, and it was. Uh, is it just embarrassing to, to to not read them? Is that what it is? No, he said since this we, is since we never get any. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to break tradition and say, uh, Road Rage Randy, February 24th, posted this saying, "A great listen. Like this review. The podcast is short and to and short and to the point. Great sound quality. Love it." Or short. I mean, That's we're short. at an hour and forty minutes of recording right now, and if he's thinking that this is a short episode, then or a short show, then I'm I'm impressed. He's got more patience than I've. Got. No kidding. <laughs> uh, maybe he was just listening. One of those guys that that drives a lot. 
Maybe he was listening to back when we were like only at 45 minutes before we had guests on. Um, not blaming this on you, Jesse. I'm just saying it's, it's what happens when oh, we have guests on. Dude, we have uh, 11 episodes that comprise, I think, 20 hours. Yeah. So, like, trust me. I, yeah. Long podcasts, not new to me. <laughs> and I'm still I still feel like I'm getting some like residual grief about the blue man, blue hands people in the stick thing. Like, I feel like we're. It was Cameron yesterday. Yeah. But, but what I love about that is that. Cameron is doing that because Cameron is listening to our shows and going, Hey, you know, here's what, here's a point that I brought up, which I'm sure, you know, as a podcaster, having somebody listen and then like make a point is like the most exciting thing that there is. So like I, even if Cameron was being a little contentious on that, I fully appreciated what he was doing. I know we're, (laughs) we're, we're way past the point of no return here, but uh, I will say admittedly the coolest moment for me for the podcast is when someone recognized, called me out for having listened to the show. Now (laughs) I didn't know that I knew them in fairness. It was Andrew listener, Andrew who, who submitted uh, whatever the, the, the thing recently, he worked at the same university I did. I didn't know that he worked there and we had a mutual friend and I didn't know that. So I'm literally working on a ladder with my head in the ceiling, and he said a line from the podcast. He, he quoted our, our, our episode 50, You Can't Keep a Good Robot Down from Star Crash. And I, I poked my head back down, and he's just smiling. And I'm like, did you just quote my podcast? And he goes, yeah, I'm Andrew. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so that was kind That's of the, <laughs> the coolest thing ever for me. Um, anyway. I, I think the coolest thing for me was the, the hate mail that we got. Yes. Yeah, Jesse, when you get hate mail, you know you've made it. Uh, with that ha- having been said, cheapseatreviews.gmail.com is the way you can email us. If you're still listening to this show, thank you so much and God bless you. Um, that's it, and I have nothing more to say other than on behalf of Jesse, again, thank you so much for being here. Um, Andrew and Sam, this is Sean saying thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time for, I forgot to tease this, next week we're doing the Godzilla versus Kong. Kong versus Godzilla, whatever it's called. That's what we're doing next week. Go watch it. That's it. Goodbye. This is Cheap Seat Reviews.